0: Welcome to the Countries for Kids podcast from Case of Adventure. I'm Karen and I'm so excited that you're listening today. I'm going to be reading from A Clash of Swords in Scotland from our Scotland Adventure book. To find out more, go to caseofadventure.com. Chapter 6, A Scottish Wedding The wedding, rehearsal and dinner were to be at Weems Castle that afternoon and evening. The Grey family drove through the castle gateway where a valet welcomed them and offered to park their van. A footman led them through a side gate into the castle gardens. Wren stepped through the gate into the gardens and drew in her breath sharply as she took in the colourful spectrum of hundreds of summer blooms and the grandeur of the red velvet chairs that were set out under the wedding canopy. Janet always loved flowers of all colours, Mum spoke softly, as she took in the splendour of the scene before them. It's just so beautiful. The flowers were everywhere, draped over tables in low vases, wound around pillars and displayed on pedestals. The Victorian-style decor was tastefully arranged, as befitting an old castle, but with a modern twist. The aisle between the rows of velvet chairs was adorned with a red carpet and gold rope draped between ornate stanchions at the entrance. The wedding canopy itself was white silk, and the makeshift roof fell in soft, elegant folds over the whole area. Janet and Ian walked out of the doorway hand in hand and greeted them warmly. Janet was wearing a lovely cream-pearled evening dress, and Ian was in full Scottish regalia kilt, jacket, plaid, and a smart Balmoral-style hat. Other members of the wedding party gathered and the children stood to one side shyly as Ian and Janet mingled and welcomed everyone. The wedding photographer came up and snapped a few photos of the children. Wren and Rome chatted about their mystery together while they waited for the rehearsal to begin. What do we have so far in the mystery? There's the photo of the page from Ian's great-grandfather's diary. And the letter that was sent to the king about the honours of Scotland being hidden during the war, Wren said. Rome recounted, The letter mentions the crown and then the scepter, sword of state, belt, scabbard and wand. The diary page mentions the crown, scepter, sword of state and then the dirk. The crown, scepter and sword are mentioned in both. I think the belt and scabbard would have been hidden with the sword anyway, which is why the diary page doesn't mention them. "'I'm not sure why the wand isn't mentioned, though,' Wren remarked. "'They were found together, though, and are still on display at Edinburgh Castle. "'The dirk, however, is not mentioned anywhere at the castle. "'Nor has it been found,' Wren lowered her voice to just above a whisper. "'Isn't it strange that it's not mentioned in the letter to the king, "'and that it was hidden separately?' "'Perhaps they chose to hide it separately "'in case something happened to the other items,' Rome pondered." also because it was significant to Ian's family, added Wren. So it would make sense to hide it here at Weems Castle, wouldn't it? Rome asked her. Wren nodded vigorously at him. Maybe in the ruins of the tower house or in the cellars? She turned to listen to Ian, who was calling everyone to attention. Ian addressed the members of the wedding party. I'll stand here at the front with my best man and Janet will be ready to sprint down the aisle and into my arms. Janet nudged him with a smile. Ian grinned down at her and cleared his throat. Let's all take our places, groom's family and friends this side of the aisle and bride's family and friends on that side. If your friends are both of us, you may choose. Our wedding planner will take over from here. A tall lady holding a clipboard with glasses perched on the end of her nose stepped forward and began directing members of the wedding party to their positions. The sun was still very high in the sky. "'It stays light till ten o'clock here in midsummer,' Dad told the children. "'That's very convenient for the wedding rehearsal and dinner.' Mom led Tiffany and Libby down the aisle to where Janet was standing with a few attendants. Mom took her place behind Janet and pretended to straighten her train and veil. The wedding planner walked up to them. "'The flower girls will walk first and scatter the petals down the aisle. "'Then the bride with attendants will follow.' They practiced walking and scattering the flower petals, with Wren helping Tiffany know what to do. Once they'd learned their parts, the children sat to one side and watched the proceedings, while the minister went through the rest of the ceremony. At last, Ian stood up and announced that dinner would be served in the castle banquet hall at seven o'clock. Rome was once again struck by what a commanding figure Ian made. He thought about what Dad had said about Ian, that he hoped Ian would come to know the Lord personally. Mom and Dad took the children to an upstairs bathroom in the castle to wash up, after which they waited in a cosy sitting room until it was time for dinner. The banquet hall was elegantly laid out with the finest silver and white linen. The children looked up and down the room in awe, feeling like they were on a movie set. After the starter and main course had been served, it was time for the speeches. Having been asked to speak about the bride-to-be, Mom stood up and spoke clearly into the cordless microphone. Only having met Ian a few days ago, I have to say that he is a true gentleman and is going to remain a hero to our children. Janet told me he's one of the last of the chivalrous knights of Scotland and that he always treats her with the utmost respect and honour. Everyone clapped. Mom turned to Janet and continued. I first met Janet when we were studying together at the University of Cape Town. She was always a diligent worker and, well, to make a long story short, I was not. Several people chuckled and Janet smiled at mum. She took to coming to my room in the mornings to wake me up and say with that lovely Scottish accent, tea in my room in ten minutes if you're breezy. There'd be a dainty tray with teacups and an array of elegant English teas and tins on her desk, ready to be enjoyed. She always made me feel valued and appreciated and was always there for me as a friend. She's always encouraged me to study my Bible and unlike most people I know, she enjoys reading theology and history textbooks. She even once guest lectured in her own third year history class. A few of Janet's friends in the audience laughed. All that to say she is so gracious and sweet, but do not be mistaken, on the inside she is dynamite. She's determined and principled and won't give up on a good cause for anything. Ian, you're marrying a gem and a very special lady. I'm so happy for you both. To end off, I'll use a phrase that Jana taught me the meaning of, and I'm sure Ian will back me up on this. She's one bonny lass, inside and out, and I'm so blessed to know her. Janet stood up and thanked mum and then gave a speech, having the audience in stitches with her anecdotes about Ian and the adventures they'd had together since they had met. She went on to tell everyone that in Scotland the wild carrot was a symbol of fruitfulness. In following the wedding tradition, she handed Ian a bunch of baby carrots tied with a red ribbon. "Grand babies!" called out Janet's father and everyone applauded. Ian, in turn, also in keeping with Scottish wedding tradition, gave his bride-to-be a small bag tied with a red ribbon and a label that said, Love Tokens. It was filled with sweets, an elegant brooch and a few pretty necklace pendants. Other toasts and stories followed and after dessert had been enjoyed, the Grey family began preparing for their journey back to Edinburgh. They kissed Janet goodbye, shook hands with Ian and exchanged greetings with some of the other guests before setting off back to the guest house, the sleepy children napping in the car. The next day dawned bright and sunny. The family took their time getting up and dressed after their late night. Mom and Dad took the children for a slow amble in the Prince's Street Gardens where they enjoyed an early lunch of hot dogs from a street vendor. Soon it was time to get dressed for the wedding. The flower girls wore creamy white dresses with lace roses woven over the bodices and white tulle skirts. They had cream-colored sandals with roses on top, jewels in their hair, and little white baskets with red ribbon tied around the handles. The boys wore smart black pants, silver waistcoats, and white shirts with bow ties. Wren wore a beautiful royal blue dress with a lace bodice that she and Mom had discovered on a shopping expedition back home. Mom arranged Wren's hair in a French plait twist, fastened with a flexi-clip and sparkly jewels woven into it. Mom, as matron of honour, wore a long cream-coloured dress and carried a small bouquet of colourful roses, similar to Janet's large one. They arrived at Weems Castle at two o'clock, ready for the wedding to start at three. The guards at the castle gates were on high alert and examined dad's driver's license and wedding invitation carefully before admitting them, even though they had been there the previous day. Guests in fancy cars were pulling up at the castle gates and foremen, valets and wedding attendants in smart suits were greeting guests, parking cars and escorting people to their seats for the wedding. Waitrons were walking in between the milling guests, offering drinks and fancy hors d'oeuvres to them. The children felt rather shy among the hundreds of smartly dressed wedding guests and attendants. Mom took the girls upstairs to help Janet with her final preparations, while Dad and the boys roamed the gardens, taking a little time to explore. Rome was secretly hoping to come across a clue to their mystery, and asked Dad if they could go down into the cellars to take a look around. Dad agreed and they walked purposefully in that direction. In the main cellar, Rome examined the walls and tried to imagine if there could be a hiding place behind any of them. There was a large shelf of wine bottles against the back wall and various sacks and bins scattered about the floor. Beyond the main cellar, various other rooms branched off. The rooms contained stores of food items, garden equipment, old machinery, paint tins and broken furniture. I keep thinking about the cellars, Rome told Dad. The dirt couldn't have been hidden in the dungeons if they were bricked up almost a hundred years ago, so the cellars would have been a good option. It would have been most likely to survive if the castle was destroyed, and so would make a good hiding place. Yeah, we should hide down here, Jake thought that sounded fun. But then we'd miss the wedding, Rome laughed at him. I agree, said Dad as they wandered deeper into the cellars. It would be a great place, but surely Ian or his father would have looked here before. I suppose, conceded Rome, but there are so many places to look, maybe they missed something. Rome noticed some interesting carved designs on the floor stones and thought to himself that Wren would appreciate the flower designs as she loved to paint on tiles. Dad announced that they needed to head back as the wedding would be starting soon. As they approached the wedding canopy, they heard the chatter of the waiting guests and soft background music playing over the speaker system. That's all for now. See you next time.